Dear Lord, thanks for your word. Thanks that we can open it, look at it, and consider what it means for our lives. Thanks for being able to come together each Sunday at church and the joy of being your people. Amen. Amen. I think one of the uh, questions that we often ask when we open Acts, but particularly a passage like this, is can we directly apply this passage to our church today? or indeed any church at all in 2020? I think it's an important question, but it doesn't take long, as you, as you maybe read it over a few times, to recognise that this really isn't... Uh, we, we can't do that. We can't just copy-paste. Uh, the, the first three words in verse 1 are, in those days, uh, hinting back to when it was, you know, 30 to 40 AD, uh, this early church. Uh, there's two different kinds of Jews... Uh, that's not something we generally encounter here in Robbo. Uh, and the fact that there's apostles as well. Graham's pretty great, but apostle might be a little bit too far for the title of Graham, right? So this is not our church. This is not us. But So, so we do need to be careful. We don't just copy-paste. But I think there's some really valuable lessons we can learn from this church and this passage today. These seven little verses are kind of like a little short story and so you can see on your outlines that you've got there uh, so there's a problem a solution there's unity because of the solution and then there's the result and I think that's kind of like uh, a a little short story you you know the result is a happy ending which is always lovely for short stories right so we've been running through acts uh, and seeing how God is using the church but particularly the apostles uh, to grow God's church Uh, last week Paul Brigden open up the end of chapter 4 and the start of chapter 5, where, you know, in chapter 4, all God's people together sharing all their stuff, that's really great, and then the disappointing, um, yeah, start of chapter 5, where Ananias and Sapphira um, lie to the apostles, they lie to God, they lie to the church, uh, in an attempt to receive glory without really sacrificing anything. Uh, And then they individually, after a welcome opportunity, uh, continue to lie and then fall down and die, Uh, which kind of sets the scene for Acts 6 and our problem today. As the church grows, there's some growing pains. God's church grows, and our passage today is a window into another one of these things, these, these, these issues that arise. So, we'll start with part one, the problem. So, we see this in verse one. As these different groups uh, of backgrounds, cultures, maybe even professions come together, it's not hard to imagine that there would be some, uh, some rubbing up the wrong way. Uh, there might be some growing pains. Uh, we know from this verse that not even the early church with the apostles is immune to these problems. When I was in year eight... Uh, I was running as hard as I could in PE, and uh, we were, it was bull rush, and I was chasing one of the fastest guys in the year, and I, like, almost got him. It was, it was close, and uh, something quite incredible happened to my legs, which um, it felt like fire on my knees, uh, and so after a few different doctor visits, it turned out I had this disease um, called Osgood-Schlatter's disease, which is one of the greatest names of a disease, I think. But it's actually where you have 
your, your quads, this sounds really impressive, but it hurt, you know, it wasn't worth the pain, trust me. Where your quads have grown so quickly, there's so much muscle, they're ripping the tendons off your bones. Um, so it's not particularly fun or pleasurable. Uh, and I was told that, um, why well, I asked the doctor, I said, can, can I still play soccer? He said, yeah, it's fine. But if it gets worse, we'll have to put you both your legs in plaster for 12 months. And I went, I'll play soccer then, great. <laughs> Growing pains, uh, that, that might be physical, but our problem today here is to do with people, and often that can be so much harder and more difficult. So we've got our Hellenistic, or your Bible might say Grecian Jews, uh, who are most likely Greek-speaking Jews who probably don't live in Jerusalem or Israel as it's known in that day. Uh, they're probably influenced by Greek culture. Uh, they're not the you know, true or pure Jews, Maybe like, you know, Samaritans that we hear about quite a lot or other areas of Asia Minor or Egypt uh, from around about. And then we have our Hebraic Jews, you know, the real locals, the, the true Jewish people, God's true people, you know, pure and superior, like the fifth or sixth generation Robbo residents, right? The ones that have been here forever, that's what it's like. Uh, compared to, you know, the people who... This is where they own their third or fourth holiday home and they say they're from Robbo, you know, those kind of people. And so we've got these two different groups and this food issue that leads to complaining or grumbling. If nothing is done, complaining and grumbling will spread. This complaining and this food issue leads to the real big issue, which is that there is division amongst God's people. This is the problem. Division and disunity. Why is this the real issue? Well, when these things are present, they consume our energy, our emotional energy, our physical energy. They cripple and immobilize evangelism, the ministry of the Word of God. Division distracts the church from their main point, their main goal. When there are problems within, God's church can't reach out. And this is still true today. There are churches which exist who are divided on essential Christian truths, where members disregard the Bible for worldly opinions and cultural ideology. And they pressure clergy and other members of the church to do the same. Though this division here in Acts 6 looks different, the result is the same in these churches, in any church where division exists. It debilitates evangelism and it impacts on the ministry of the Word of God. To flick back to 30 or 40 AD, the problem in Acts 6 is that the apostles here are distracted from the ministry they are called to by Jesus Christ himself. So what do the apostles do? What is the solution? Which brings us on to part two of our little short story. The apostles act swiftly and clearly. If the apostles continue to wait on tables, the ministry of the word is no longer the priority for them and their church and the the devil's divisive schemes and his distractions succeed. 
So why is the ministry of the Word of God so important for the apostles? Like I already said, and like we've said a a few times in this series, this is what they are specially and specifically called to by Jesus. And like we've said, you wouldn't forget the last thing the Son of God says to you that you've been following around for three years before He's raised up into heaven. That's just not something you're going to forget. And so this verse, Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The apostles' call is to be Jesus' witnesses. They are specially entrusted with sharing the word of God in the world to the ends of the earth. I like to think of it like uh, a soccer team. So, you know, there's all the different players on the field. You could choose any sports team, but, you know, the world game seems like the best choice, right? Uh, Everyone has their role on the field. And if people don't do their role, it doesn't quite work out. You know, some roles might be more flashy. They might look better. Maybe they get paid more. But everyone has to do their job for the team to function. So you might like to call the apostles like the strikers of the team. Maybe their job looks more flashy or great on the outside. Uh, They're the front men for the word going out. But it's important that they stick to their role so the team as a whole can function best to win. Their solution is important to ensure they continue serving faithfully. And so we see in verses 2 to 4 there, that they're clear and swift actions. They get everyone together. They say, choose seven people. And the importance as well of uh, the fact that they must be full of the Spirit and of wisdom. Uh, We see that kind of, as we read 1 Timothy, that passage we read as well. We see that the apostles are going to fully entrust these people with this role. They're going to just forget about waiting on tables because they're going to entrust fully these people. They're not going to micromanage or worry, micromanage or worry about it at all. They trust that these men that they choose will succeed. And it's worth noting, I think, a few things here. It's a problem that's big enough that requires getting everyone together to find a solution. The apostles recognize as well that it's not in their skill set and it's not their role. But importantly as well, as I've already hinted, the seven chosen have this incredibly high standard. Men who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. They're not chosen lightly. And that's because it's ministry. It's important. So the Apostles' solution is to commission some ministers, some servants, to do the ministry of tables so they can do the ministry of the Word of God. All that being said, you might be sitting in your seat uh, thinking the question that I thought of when I read this passage many, many times, wondering the answer myself. Does that mean the ministry of tables is less than the ministry of the Word of God? I think it's, again, important to remember that this is a specific church in a specific time. It's not us. Like we've already said, the apostles have a role and a call, like we saw from Acts 1 verse 8, 
and they recognize this, so they turn over this responsibility to others. Turn the responsibility over to them and give their attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word of God. There's no indication from what the disciples say that they think that uh, there's levels or uh, some kind of prestige in terms of uh, these roles. They just seem to be pretty clear on, this is what Jesus told us to do, this isn't what we were told to do, so let's get some other people to sort this issue out so we can do what Jesus told us to do. We need someone else out there feeding people. So the apostles are like the strikers. Maybe the ministry of tables is like the defenders or the goalkeepers, the center midfields, whatever you want to call it. You can't win without them. Some spots might be, you know, more glamorous or get more attention, but there's no class system in regards to ministry and service of God. The most important thing in all these things is that the Word of God goes out and that it remains a priority, that it remains the number one. Which leads us on to verse 5 and 6. Unity. What does it say in verse 5? The apostle, the, sorry, the proposal pleased just some people. The proposal pleased the Hellenistic Jews. What well, actually says this proposal pleased the whole group, every single person. So they've gathered all the disciples together, like we saw in verse 2. And, and the proposal from, sorry, the 12 pleases everyone. That's quite incredible. They, the whole group, choose the seven. And then they, the whole group, in verse 6, present these men to be commissioned by the apostles. This is a complete turnaround, a complete reversal, a re uh, resolution of verse 1. The, the, the disunity and the division we began with in verse 1. I can remember playing in um, bands in primary school and high school uh, for school bands and the, just the schmozzle, the horrible noise that would exist before the conductor, you know, just a teacher from the school would come in and tell everyone to stop playing their instruments and uh, count us in. The horrible noise, everyone would be tuning up and just playing whatever song that they couldn't remember, practicing whatever it might be. If you're playing different songs or lost for where the music is up to, it just doesn't work. But when everyone plays together, that's when the magic of music happens. When everyone plays in unison. So we began with these two groups of widows who are grumbling and complaining. And now the whole group together, as in all the disciples are in agreement and unity. And that's a pretty big deal. That takes a huge amount of humility and grace and forgiveness. But importantly, this is all so important because once again, this church, and thank goodness they worked this out because we might not be here otherwise, prioritize and are united in the purpose of prioritizing the ministry of the Word of God. So altogether, this problem, altogether they resolve this problem. The disciples are unified 
in their solution. Division is done away with. Ministry can continue. And importantly, the ministry of the Word of God by the apostles now goes on uninhibited. Which brings us on to the result. The result, simply and clearly, we see at the start of verse 7 there. The Word of God spreads. And so that's there's some little words you can fill in on your outline there if you're that way inclined. The Word of God spreads. Grumbling and complaining does not spread, but instead God's Word does. It spreads wide and deep, and we see that at the end of verse 7 there. Wide as the disciples increase rapidly and deep as even priests are converted. I wonder, is that a surprise to you? I don't think it should be. Because when the Word of God is number one, it is powerful. When it's the priority, it's incredible. It's our priority here at ki- in our kids and our youth ministries on Fridays at Ribs, at Robbo Youth Bible Study, our youth group. We don't just babysit kids. We have age-appropriate times where we teach our kids. We've seen God work powerfully at ribs. We have non-church youth coming from, from Robbo, but even from other places in the Highlands as well. That number has grown, and that's really exciting. God's Word is our priority. It's our number one. And we let God work powerfully, despite our inability. The most important thing at Robbo Church and any church that you might go to is that the Word of God goes out and it remains a priority. It remains the number one. So why don't we pray that God would help us do that? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thanks for the apostles who faithfully shared the Word of God so the church grew. Thanks for their wisdom and for helping them to remain firm in their role as your witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Help us to keep the word of God central to everything we do and have it as our number one priority. Amen. I should have mentioned at the start, we're